righty, welcome to Boom Talk Studios in South Eugene, Oregon, for another installment of Fox Trotting in a Foxhole, episode number seven. I'm your faithful host, Ken Harlan, and here we are with our weekly review of what's going on in the wacky world of sports. As always, gotta thank our friends at www.purpleplanet. Com for wonderful theme song, um, and also the sponsors. I think that you will hear if you listen to it at Anchor.fm, as far as in the various streaming services where this podcast can be found. Yeah, so where are we? You know, one we're uh, taping this a day later than we normally do. You know, it's kind of one of those things that when you are in charge of your own podcast, if you don't like something, you can always come back and do it again. We did a uh, taping yesterday, and let's just say the culmination of things, it just really wasn't up to snuff. I could have put it out there, but uh, I figure I had some time. Lots and lots of meetings today. It's crazy. I've been up since 6 o'clock in in the morning, Pacific time, um, working with um, these engineering teams that are out doing COVID uh, solutions and wonderful stuff. But yeah, aside from that, you don't want to get too deep into what I'm doing in the freelance world. But yeah, I've been really busy, and I think that, you know, today's a better day, and there's a lot to talk about. Um, So without further ado, let's get rolling with what uh, is going on in the sports world. So yeah, as we know now, it's almost been a week that uh, MLB returned to action. So many things have happened ever since I started formulating what was going to be in episode seven. Um, Hope I don't drop the ball and miss a few things. Always, if uh, there's something you think I should cover, um, you can always send an email to ftinfx at gmail.com. Appreciate your comments. Yeah, it was great that we had uh, Ben C. on the show last week to sort of set the table for what's going to happen in MLB. I'm sure, you know, unless you've been hiding under a rock, especially if you pay attention to these things, you know, the story with the Miami Marlins is, uh, it's it's pretty important. It, it, it impacts all sports that are not going to be played in the bubble and even the sports in a bubble. It definitely has caused everyone involved with these endeavors and really take a hard look whether or not these activities are worth moving forward with. Um, if you don't know that just coming to air now, we found out that 18 people in the Marlins organization have tested positive for COVID-19. All of their games have been postponed through Sunday, August 2nd. And because the Phillies the last team to play the Marlins, you know, when the, when this outbreak was occurring. There are two games with the Yankees where have been postponed. We also know that the Nationals also voted to not go this weekend to Miami for the series. So it's definitely um, a situation that's in flux. I think Commissioner Manfred is doing a pretty good job of not hitting the panic button. Sort of trying to you know, work this out. And I do believe that because we have a lot of flexibility with, with scheduling. And they, you know, I, as long as we don't have a major outbreak with the other teams and we can somehow get the situation with the Miami Marlins under control, we should be able to continue with the season. Um, as uh, now, I haven't really had, like I said, I've been meetings all morning. I haven't had a chance. But the last I heard that the Phillies, as I was saying just a second ago, the last team to interact with the Marlins have zero positive tests. Hopefully that stays the same. And with only a problem on one team, we should be able to isolate that, get these people the proper testing and treatment, and then reschedule these games later. I mean, I think there's enough flexibility to move games and sites around. You know, it won't be the most ideal situation, but we think, from my perspective at least, it's something that should be, you know, logistically possible. And there's plenty of minor leaguers in the, in the, in the uh, or, right, in their associate, I mean, in their organization, excuse me. 
Let's not get too stumbling on our words like we were doing yesterday. But yeah, there should be some contingency plans in place in order for the Marlins to continue. Like I said, this is not necessarily ideal. You know, definitely from a quality and competition standpoint, some people might, you know, think that this is kind of tarnishing it and we're, and we're pushing too hard. But given the amount of resources that have already been put into restarting this, I feel every effort should be made in order for us to continue. So, okay, what else did we learn in this opening week of baseball? Well, we saw in Boston, the Red Sox paint a 250-foot Black Lives Matter mural at Fenway facing the Massachusetts Turnpike. Know that uh, some long-standing fans are not happy with that. Did read about a fan of the club for the last 63 years, calling them a bunch of communist traitors and says he will have nothing to do with the team anymore. Yeah, whatever, you know. For me, personally, I just find it really ironic given... A, the Red Sox being the last team to integrate in 1959. The amount of harassment that African-American players, most recently, Terry Hunter coming out and talking about his experience at Fenway, even you know, their own players like Jim Rice, you know, over time, commenting on, you know, the not-so-friendly atmosphere in, in Boston, particularly at Fenway. And obviously, I'm sure if you have any knowledge about this, you know about the Celtics, and opposing players, you know, that Bill Russell didn't like to give autographs to the way the Boston fans treated him. Uh, there's also lots of, you know, stories in, the, in, in history about crowds at the old Foxborough Stadium treating African-American athletes really bad and the slurs and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? It's a good gesture. Let's just hope that moving forward, this will kind of tell Boston fans to like cool it as far as the racist behavior. There's no place in it. You know, good gesture. You know, let's move on and, you know, hope for a better day as far as that goes. So anyhow, the specter of COVID definitely loomed large over the opening week. You know, as, as we said, players continue to test positive. It's, it's all over the place. They saw that, you know, in the case of, of, Washington, of a Washington player who's had some issues that um, if, I, if I got this correct, you know, it, it, this definitely shows the, the difficulty here in, in getting testing that, that's reliable. With Juan Soto, who, put, who tested positive for COVID-19 right on the cusp of opening day, and then tested negative and positive again. So it's really hard to get a gauge on if somebody is, you know, with the false positives, if somebody is actually symptom-free, and is not able to pass this on to his teammates. Uh, very complicated situation there. But uh, let's, let's take a little lighter side of this, you know, because obviously we saw there were no fans. Lots of cardboard cutouts around the league. And as I've said, you know, with uh, what's going on in football proper, you'll never convince me that these self-absorbed gestures or, you know, not on the lame side, you know, especially when you, like, have people with their pets. You know, is, is, the, is the golden retriever or the lab going to really see on TV and go, oh, that's me? Come on now, really? You know, but, hey, you know, whatever works for people and however you're willing to spend your money and give it to these organizations for that very purpose, who am I to pour stale beer on your party, right? You know, so we'll just leave it at that. We also saw... And opening day when the Yankees traveled to the nation's capital for their series with the Nationals at Nationals Park, that Dr. Fauci, the renowned Dr. Fauci, should probably keep his day job. Yeah, if you saw that, uh, <laughs> if you saw that first pitch, you definitely know that the ceremonial pitch that he threw out, it was pretty bad. Up there with Carl Lewis. Marky Mark, and some of the other celebrities who you've seen on the Sports Center bottom 10 blooper reels over the years. Not a good sight. In fact, it was just, I don't know what got more buzz. Dr. Fauci's really bad first pitch, or him talking with his mask draped over his 
chin talking to you know his guests because he was one of the few people that were allowed to be spectators at that opening day. But yeah, I mean, I think you know it, it, it'll be wise at seventy nine. We know he's not gonna he's not choosing another career. But if we do go back to the ballpark, you know, maybe get some tips and put a bit of a showing. Uh, we saw some great displays of power in that series with uh, Giancarlo Stanton smashing a round tripper that was almost 490 feet, you know, getting that Mickey Mantle power on. We also saw players kneeling in support of the Black Lives Matter movement and some that didn't such as San Francisco Giants pitcher Sam Coonrod, who used his religious beliefs as a rationale for not joining the others in kneeling. He's got some grief from that from some folks, but uh, let's face it, we should all be able to have whatever platform we, we choose to stand on. You know, that's what makes this country great. Thought it was funny that uh, you know, prior to that series, when the prior to the season starting, I should say, the Giants and A's in the, in the final tune-up of the Giants and their manager taking a nil and our commander-in-chief, of course, having to chime in, saying that he didn't approve. And, of course, a lot of buzz about that, especially at one point he was going to throw out the opening pitch at Yankee Stadium in a game on August 15th against the Red Sox. But now, apparently, he is saying that he is going to bow out of that because now is not the right time. Probably a good thing. Of course, that didn't stop embattled Mayor Bill de Blasio from chiming in and chastising the Yankees for even entertaining the idea of having the commander-in-chief throw out the first pitch. Well, you know we don't get political on this show because I'm an independent and there's plenty of other podcasts, networks, and blog sites and stuff for that kind of activity. But I will say this about you, Mayor de Blasio. You got other things to worry about in your damn city, okay? You know, given that what what an S show that place has become, the last thing you should be worried about is that the Yankees are having the commander in chief come out and take take part in a ritual that goes back to President Taft, <laughs> President Taft in nineteen ten, doing out the first pitch. Okay, you know, don't make this political. Don't use this for grandstanding. You got way too many things to clean up in your commode to be worrying about what's going on in MLB. So what else did we have going on? We saw the Dodgers and Giants renew their long-standing rivalry over over the weekend, with the Dodgers outscoring the Northerners 17-2 in the first two games, and then the Giants taking the next two by one run, proving what a great rivalry this series continues to be. Hopefully these two teams continue this throughout this 60-game season and that maybe they'll both do well enough to where they have something to say at the end, you know, to create more activity, more drama, which we want to see. Speaking of the Dodgers, I might I will add that prior to the start of the season, Mookie Betts agreed to a 12-year extension, which will keep him with the club till 2032 for a nice... $365 million. Hey, 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 that COVID cash dropping from the sky. Good for him. As a Dodger fan, I am pretty ecstatic because I do believe that he may be the missing ingredient to help this, a team that has been a participant annually in the postseason but has nothing to show for it in, in recent years. Maybe uh, Bookie's pedigree will be that uh, ingredient in the cocktail that has the Dodgers dancing at the end of the shortened season. Also, last night, the Dodgers and the Astros met up for the first time ever since the big scandal, which uh, Ben C. and I talked about, the cheating scandal. And of course, we had some, some fireworks last night as Joe Kelly, you know, and some of his errant throws with the quotations, the benches cleared. You know, the little animosity, definitely some hard tags last night. You know, Dodgers trying to send a message. Saw Dusty Baker kind of come out and calling his former team a little bit bush league about it. But, hey, sorry, Dusty. Y'all's the ones, you know, wasn't on your watch, but still your team, y'all the ones that are cheating. What do you think? The Dodgers are just going to sit there. Glad to see the Dodgers show a little heart. Fantastic. 
Um, looking forward as we move down the line with us, especially now that you know we know MLB is going to have an expanded playoff format. It's going to have 16 teams instead of 10. As I said in the year, chalk with drama. You know, let's add some fun drama. You know, let's get some more cooks in the kitchen. It'll make for some great storylines. You know, they have more participants. I think it's all good. You know, hopefully we can get past this situation with the Marlins. And, you know, like we've seen in MLS, you know, isolate it, contain it. I know there's some big challenges because we're not in the bubble. But so far, it's been a real fun first week in Major League Baseball. All right, then. So let's see what is up next for me. Yeah, it's been a while since we've done a soccer slash football proper roundup. You know, I'm a big fan of the uh, big game, and we try to cover as many sports as possible. We had the corner man on talking about NASCAR a few weeks ago. We will have my man Cooley Dubs on talking about some UFC here shortly. And so we'll have some people talking about PGA. We try to get all sports covered here. You know, we obviously talk about the WNBA probably more so than most outlets and NWSL. Yeah, we got it all covered here on Fox Trotting in a foxhole. But uh, yeah, obviously, the big, the beautiful game is something that kind of came to me later in life, I think, as I've talked about in previous episodes. I wasn't the biggest fan growing up. I was more of, of an American traditionalist. And now that in the last decade or so, I've really come to embrace not only what goes on in Europe, but also become a big fan of the domestic game here. And even I'm starting to like dabble a little bit in the Liga MX. But anyways, let me talk a little bit about that. So for starters, I would be remiss if I didn't tell you how pissed off I am of the situation with Kylian Mbappe and his unfortunate injury due to a vicious and unnecessary tackle in the Coupe de France last Friday. It was so unnecessary from St. Etienne's Lorik Perrin playing in his last game. Um, yeah, all I can say about that, and I mean, I could be here for the next 25 minutes, but, you know, we've got only so much time here before we have to go back to the real world. The team itself lost to PSG 1-0. And what's so galling about that, had they played straight up and not been butchers, they might have won this match and pulled off the big upset. But instead, Perrin, who, after a VAR, was given a red card, uh, played admirably, and except PSG only won that won the cup final 1-0. Problem I have is when I look at French football, as we know, France is the defending World Cup champions, and I've just talked about how the, that its professional league and you know, this top tier flight is known as a farmers league, and this is the reason why, because PSG does have a monetary advantage over most of the clubs. Know, given you know its ties to uh, oil from Qatar, the league feels that okay, it's okay to butcher up PSG as a way of leveling the playing field. This goes all the way up to the top, the officials on the field, and it's asinine. Because now Mbappe may not be able to play in Champions League. They have a big match against Atalanta on August twelfth, which is coming up here. In two and a half weeks, and they're talking a three-week timetable for his recovery. Previous years, I've seen Neymar get taken out by these same kind of thuggish tactics. It's like, why would you? Why would you be a party to that? I mean, the sanctions should come down hard on clubs and teams. Having PSG not uh, at uh, a full clip for these Champions League matches, championship, <laughs> Champions League matches. Excuse me. It's doing a disservice to, to the league. PSG winning Champions League brings more visibility, better players. It's just a win-win. Now, I'm not saying put a, put a halo and give our stars preferential treatment, but you should protect it in a sense because it's helping the league out. The better PSG does on the global level, the better it is for League One. You know, as we say, Wake the blank up. You know, this is absolutely unacceptable. 
I think what you would say the equivalent would be if Money Mahomes or the Greek Freak, right? You know, we're, right, we're talking these young American stars. If someone were to take them out in, a, in an unnecessary cheap shot, can you imagine the outcry, the, the amount of talking and screaming and recriminations you'd see on ESPN, Fox Sports 1, and so on? And, you know, the blasé response from the club, top officials, the commentators, just very appalling. Anybody that had half a brain would, was, was upset. In fact, go check it out on YouTube. Go check out what happened to Killian Mbappe and, you know, send something in to me at uh, FTINFX at gmail.com as far as what you think. Because for me, that was last Friday. Today is Wednesday. I'm still angry. So we're going to take a quick break and come back and talk some more beautiful game. All righty. Yeah, at first the block got a little bit lengthy, a little bit more, got a little carried away. But back to my discussion about soccer because we need to do some housekeeping and get cleaned up. A lot going on there, and uh, let's take a couple of minutes to inform you all that if you don't know, now you know, as my friend likes to say. So European leagues are basically wrapping things up. England, Italy, uh, finished things over the weekend, as we've talked about on this episode. Liverpool won its first modern uh, Premier League in England. They're the champions. A lot of celebration, much to the chagrin of the folks that wanted to see them still looking on the outside. But now that they have that under their uh, belts, along with being the current Champions League trophy holders, they're probably the best club in the world. I don't think you can make an argument. I don't think you can make an argument, as the lovely Rebecca Lowe has also said about Jurgen Klopp being perhaps the best manager currently in the game. We also saw Juventus in Italy win as well, you know, after a spirited battle, especially from Atalanta, as I keep bringing up PSG's upcoming opponent. But um, it does bring me to something, though, and I brought this up in previous episodes. I think the top European clubs, and I talk about the main five leagues, they do have sort of a problem they really need to overcome. I mean, obviously, it's a global product, but I think as they become more global and, you know, i.e. getting more American fans, they're going to have to do something about things being so top-heavy in terms of, you know, the, the teams that win the league. Yes, England does have some variety, you know, obviously, a few years ago, Leicester City, at you know, a 500-1 underdog, being able to win the Premier League. Uh, Manchester City, Liverpool, man, things are, you know, the competitions are, I think it's the top league. But look, when you look at the other leagues, Juventus, they just won their ninth straight. Bayern, you know, a few weeks ago, won their seventh straight championship. PSG, you know, my, my crew, they've won seven of the last eight. Real Madrid, who also wrapped things up in La Liga, they, and along with Barcelona, they've won 16 of the last 17 championships. You know, this script just reads way too much familiarity. But if I look at uh, you know, what's going on here in the United States with Major League Soccer, we've had eight different champions in the last 10 years. You could poo-poo the quality all you want, but I am telling you, I, that's the kind of thing we want to see in all of football. Yeah, as, as, as a fan of PSG, I love dominating League One and putting all these titles away. But it does not do much interest for the, for the casual fan. So let's talk about the MLS. Well, as we've talked about on previous episodes, you know that they are in the bubble. And the MLS's back tournament has just concluded the knockout stage as of last night. Wow, I'm going to try to keep it brief here. There's a lot to, to uh, cover in this episode. But, gee, there's so much going on here. Um, whew, there's, a, there's a lot of surprises. It was really cool to see Orlando 
City and San Jose and FC Cincinnati make it to the knockout round. It was shocking to see Atlanta and the LA Galaxy and Red Bull New York get bounced, you know, of, of the major surprises that happened in the group stage. Um, we've now, the, but we've moved on to, like I said, the, the knockout round, which concluded last night. And boy, what? Uh, we had two games that went to penalties last night uh, at Portland. FC Cincinnati game was spectacular. Although FC Cincinnati kind of crapped out and, and, and went with the penalty kicks. Minnesota surviving last night on penalty kicks. And we had the night before, we had LAFC dispatching of the defending champion Seattle Saunders. Sounders, excuse me. Really weird match because I didn't really think the black and gold looked that well. I thought it was more of that Seattle was disinterested. And, you know, the same could be said for Toronto when they were knocked out by New York City Football Club. It was kind of weird to see some of these Titans kind of get bounced. But that said, you know, the next round is going to be very uh, spectacular. Really looking forward to seeing LAFC and uh, Orlando. It's not going to be Friday night, but yes. So, so the next round starts tomorrow. ESPN and Fox Sports 1 in the evenings. Definitely, if you're not watching baseball, Please, please tune in. You're seeing a lot of good stuff there. And I'd also be remiss if I did not bring up the NWSL, which I think had capped off, you know, a brilliant week for them. They had their Challenge Cup wrap-up that was in a bubble in Utah. Although the ladies didn't feel they got the recognition for being the first U.S. professional league to restart, there was some serious excitement in the air based on how well this competition went. In fact, Sunday's championship match, seen on CBS, was the highest-rated televised NWSL match ever, a whopping 293% higher than 2019's TV numbers. We are in Houston Dash, ended up hoisting the trophy. Congratulations to them. Good job, ladies. There was also a huge announcement in the NWSL last week, which I think is going to have huge upside for the league moving forward. They granted a franchise to Los Angeles to begin play in 2020. Angel City's the name, and it has some very notable backers, such as Serena Williams, Mia Hamm, and Natalie Portman, to name a few. What I can say about this is that seeing how LAFC has become the darling of MLS, I can guarantee you that Angel City is going to do wonders in the same manner for the NWSL. It's going to just help the overall visibility. There, the, the fan base there has been really clamoring for being a, getting a piece of the action here and uh, that the amount of support, especially given between Galaxy fans and LAFC, uh, fan, uh, people of both genders. Yeah, look for that to be really spectacular. Said so in 2022, lots of time to hype it up. Uh, fantastic stuff. Keep an eye on Angel City. They're going to be a game changer. All right then, let's move on here before we get before we take another break. Well, you know what? I think I am going to take a break here just because of the way I have things laid off here. We'll be back in a moment. All right, as I said, we'd be back in a moment. Well, you know, and you know, I, I, I sound like a broken record every time. You know, I didn't want to talk about this, and I didn't want to get into this every episode, but each week something seems to be going on with that. The artists formerly known as the Redskins. You know they're my team, as I always bring up, that I've been a fan since Vince Lombardi's one year at the helm in 1969. Been through some great moments. They've been through some real stinker years. Anyhow, after a lot of heated discussion, the powers have that be decided to move on with their temporary name. So for 2020, the team will be known as the Washington Football Team, established 1932. So instead of HTTR, L to the Redskins, it's TWFT, or as some have joked, WTF. 
You know, and a lot of people are way too upset about this temporary rebranding. Me, personally, I'm in favor of it, and I hope it's permanent. And, and here's the thing. I think what these folks who are so hung up uh, on the name, angry about council culture, angry at Black Lives Matter, angry at the Native American groups who really spearheaded this in, in conjunction with the media and sponsors are failing to see is this generic knee name leaves everybody an out, right? It, it's, it's, a, it's awkward, but it's a beautiful concept that allows some leeway, right? There's this, that, that we can preserve, that we can keep our history unofficially. I mean, obviously we're keeping the colors, if you want to call the Redskins still, even if people call you a racist or a boomer that needs to get to the times, you still can with this rebranding. If you go to the Red Wolves, Red Tails, Warriors, or whatever else people are talking about, that's not going to be possible. Now it really is. As I was talking with my friend Ian, who's a big fan of the, the Spurs, not the San Antonio Spurs, but the EPL Spurs, that... In England, right? You know, Manchester United Football Club. Their nickname is the Red Devils. But who outside of England even knows that? And the same thing could be for the Washington football team. That fans can still call themselves the Redskins, can still wear their gear. They're still going with the burgundy and gold colors. And allowing fans to sort of, you know, keep that part open and you know, right, if it, if it causes arguments and people want to shame them, whatever the case may be. But I feel that you have a one of the most diehard fan bases. You won't see, you won't notice it with the people who've been turning out FedEx over the years. But just go to go to what to Redskins Twitter or Redskins Reddit, and you'll know there's a pretty ardent fan base that has lots of opinions, and obviously lots of opinions about this temporary rebrand, and I say that in quotations. I've seen that people in the organization are quietly, you know, gravitating this. And I think that ultimately, if they're successful on the field, this could take on, you know, and, and become permanent. I like the idea of, like I said, burgundy and gold, keeping it with a, with a burgundy helmet with a gold number, kind of looking like the, the Crimson Tide. And since we do have a huge Alabama contingent on this roster, they're all happy about it. So we'll see what happens. But the main takeaway here is this didn't have to be rushed. Sure, it sounds awkward, but this is a nice bridge to what may be coming down the road or a permanent way for fans to sort of retain you know, some of the Redskins' identity in a generic form. So I think it's a win-win. People, get off of your anger. Stop whining on Facebook and Twitter and all these things about how you've been betrayed. What you were up against wasn't going. You weren't going to win that battle. Sorry, you know we can have lots of debates on what's offensive and what's not. The groundswell was that it is, and when you've got sponsors pulling away, Dan Snyder had no choice. And hopefully, like I said, we go with this. Washington football team established 1932. Along those lines, last week, and our friends to the north, the Canadian Football League, the Edmonton Eskimos, a franchise that Warren Moon cut his teeth, winning five championships before going on to Houston and later Minnesota, announced last week they would be dropping their 71-year-old nickname after a review following pressure from sponsors in the Inuit community. So, yes, you know, if you have these sort of names, you know, especially when it comes to ethnic branding, if somebody decides to start beating the drum, you're probably going to undergo an name change. That's just the, the climate we're in. Call it what it is, it's happening. Along those lines, and maybe trying to get ahead of this, the Cleveland Indians last week also began a review of their nickname. And they have met with some Native American groups to seek input on how the team should move forward. All right, on to our next item. Now, I don't know how it can be, considering that I've never been a fan of this league, but yet, as I said a few moments ago, we try to cover all bases here. That What is this, the third or fourth week in a row that 
We were talking about the WNBA. Hey, ladies, prop, props to you. I mean, especially coming from me. I've never been a hater. I just have had so many things on my plate that it's just something I really haven't fallen to a lot of degree. So they tipped off last Saturday. And, you know, I guess we have, you know, good, not so good. And, well, isn't that something? And we'll start off with the good. Especially for us folks here where Boom Top Boom Talk Studios is located in lovely Eugene, Oregon. Especially we're here in the South Town, but they're they're of their favorite, and you know, legible will say Sabrina Inescu made her debut for the New York Liberty in front of a nationally televised audience. Sabrina struggled a little bit, going four from seventeen from the field with twelve points and a loss of the Washington uh, Mystics. That said, I think uh, Sabrina's debut and the uh, fanfare that came along with it is is a bright light you know, for a league that's looking to increase its visibility. I mean, I think it's kind of obvious with her and uh, you know other s- stars of the like, such as like Elena Del Don, that it's going to help the league you know appeal to a wider audience than what it currently is. So that's fantastic. The not so good. You know, um, as we pointed out on the show, the league is doing a fantastic job with its social justice campaigns. However, during the Liberty's debut game with with the Mystics, both teams exited during the playing of the national anthem. It was a you know social justice protest. I think it's very questionable if you ask me. Like I said, we're not political here, but you know. You might score some some points with those out rioting in the street. You know, whatever you think about that, that doesn't that doesn't matter here. But what does matter is that, you know, you do have fans of all of all ilk. You should you know maybe just do away with the national anthem. But if you're gonna have it, you don't need to alienate a large segment of of your potential audience or those that are that are already following it, especially since they're. They have daughters who could be the next Sabrina or, or Elena, right? It, it, I just thought that, you know, it's poor taste. There's no reason for that. We've seen, you know, at MLS, we've seen NBA in past years. You don't need to alienate folks without making a statement. You know, this whole idea that, yes, we need to be disruptive to get our message across. It's a crock of you-know-what. It just irritates me. It's really lazy. It's just attention sinking. And I'll argue with you till the the crows die that you don't need to like make these kind of statements. It's as simple as that. No place for it. All you're doing is turning people away. And really, you know, yeah, you had great ratings this weekend because there's nothing else going on. But you know, there's probably people who won't come back because they got irritated by you know an unnecessary display against the anthem. And maybe. We just do away with playing the anthem. I and mean, I don't care if athletes say you're taking away our platform. You have lots of platforms. Stop being lazy. Stop seeking attention. Stop trying to alienate folks who can put money in your pockets. Really? Stop. Be- it's just absolutely dumb. You know, you disagree with me? You know, you can send an email to ftinfx at gmail.com. And I'd gladly raise the points on Maybe even have you on the show to discuss it. Okay. So... Enough of that. And like I was saying, we have the how about that when it comes to the WNBA. And that would be Kyrie Irving, who is donating $1.5 million of his cash to help players who've chosen to opt out of the season for either social justice causes or fears of, the, of COVID-19. You know, way to go, Kyrie. I know there are some people that say he has ulterior motives for doing that, trying to get some, you know, attention because his a failed his failed attempt to derail the NBA restart, you know, came apart. Whatever, Kyrie, you know, the haters that are that tried to launch after him, what forget, you know, Kyrie, you're doing a good job helping put some money in these ladies' pockets who have chosen to to sit this one out for either way, you know, good job. All right, so let's get to our questions from the intelligentsia, our weekly segment. Once again, if you have a question for me on this show, you can send it to ftinfx at gmail.com. So this is from Brandon F. in Encino in the 818 San Fernando Valley. 
He asks, says, okay, Ken, you watched the Lakers over the weekend. What was your assessment? And do you feel they have what it takes to win ring number 17? Well, my assessment right now is the team's a mixed bag. You know, clearly they've got some big time weapons with the King, LBJ, and AD, his you know, his sidekick. I won't even say a sidekick. I mean they're 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 like, you know, having two you know, tight having two major weapons in your arsenal. But what I'm seeing in, you know, three games, and obviously it's been a four month lapse and these are only scrimmages. But this is something that was going on even during the regular season. It's the high number of turnovers and keeping teams in games because you can't you can't handle protecting the basketball. It just at this point right now, I'm not saying that they won't win, but they're going to have to clean things up if they expect to get past some of the tougher teams in the Western Conference. And the Western Conference is very loaded, and you need to clean things up. I'm a little bit concerned about. Not having Ron, uh, Rajon Rondo earlier. Not obviously, Avery Bradley opting out to be with his family, one of our better defenders. I am encouraged to see J.R. Smith look good in their, in their last game. You know, this is a game that, this or scrimmage, as they say, that LeBron and AD didn't play. Obviously, uh, Dion contributed as well. I think they both had like 20 and 18 points, respectively. Get contributions from those two. That will alleviate, you know, my concerns. I mean, I definitely think they are one of the teams that will have a final say in what happens. Just right now, they need to clean things up. I hope that answers your question. Okay, next question. This is from Colton D. in Coos Bay here out on the coast in Oregon. He, he asks, Well, Ken, after watching Tiger Woods struggle at Mirafield Village last weekend, do you think he can still pass, or at least tie Jack Nicholas's record for major championships. You know, I've been, I go back and forth on this as all of us who follow Tiger's career and his pursuit to overtake Jack Nicholas's 18 major championships. Tiger's at 15. I think no. I think the competition is way too stiff. I mean, you could pick up any number of golfers, Dustin Johnson, Rory Boy, um, you know, Brooks Kepka. It feels really deep these days, meaning that any of those young guns can string together four rounds in the 60s in a major championship. And as we've seen in recent years, that's something that Tiger has struggled to do. Yes, he is thunderous with uh, Augusta in 2019. Does make you take a pause. And in this weird, wacky COVID year, with the Masters being in November, yes, maybe he can defend this title. All these things are possible. And if he did that, or still another major somewhere to get the 16, I guess I would have to backtrack that. But I think just, you know, watching what happened last week at Mirafield Village is sort of, you know, um, it, 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 it's, it's a lens into why I don't think he can do it. I just feel the inconsistency there and how erratic he is. Um, you know, I guess he's not, as he's getting older, it's just going to be tough. I will say that we are seeing athletes in their 40s you know, do the better conditioning and that, that, that they're still a force. You know, obviously watching Tom Brady, watching a Drew Brees, you know, guys like that, um, you know, watching some of these guys in, in soccer, like Salatan Ibrahimovic play at a high level. So I'm not discounting it. You know, he definitely will have plenty of opportunities before he exits to the senior tour. It's a possibility, but right now I think I would be more interested to see him just win another tournament and catch Sam and pass Sam Snead to 82, um, 82 uh, tournament wins. Right? You know, if it's it's a possibility. Yeah, that, that Tiger could get to 18, 19. But right now, if I was going to Vegas and making a future bet, I would say, no, it ain't happening. All right, we'll be back with the final segment here in a moment. Yeah, it's been a hectic day. Um, 
Thank you for bearing with me as I sort of like stumble through all of this. Having to get up at six o'clock in the morning for a call with, with folks located all across the world and then having uh, subsequent calls at 7.30 and 8 and I had gotten two more, being able to squeeze this episode in somehow, it's no small feat. But you know what? This is what I like to do, so I'll make, I, gotta, I make time for it. However, I don't necessarily think I'm at the top of my game, but uh, whatever. As always, you know, send me an email for some feedback because anything we can do to make this truly an adventure in high fidelity content, I'm all, I'm all ears for. So let's go to the weekly roundup. Uh, first up, there was a big trade over the weekend. And I guess the question is, did the Seattle Seahawks give up too much to acquire colorful New York Jets free safety Jamal Adams. The Seahawks acquired the talented but outspoken Adams for two first-rounders, 2021 and 2022, and a third-round pick. Adams, who basically forced his way out of New York by bad-muffing his coach and the organization, is considered to be one of the best free safeties in the league, and at some point wants to be paid as such. And like I said, did Seattle give up too much? Well, I think so. You know, although Adams is a Swiss Army type of player that can be slotted in a lot of different situations, I think his attitude is probably something Seattle will regret in the long term. Yes, Seattle has dealt with some pretty um, high-strung personalities, Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, just to name a couple. And, you know, obviously the fallout after... Pete Carroll outsmarted himself and cost him a Super Bowl with Russell Wilson throwing that pass at the goal line. Sure, you know, you've had you've had some pretty colorful personalities on that defense, so it very well be not be a problem. But what I see is that here's a guy who was complaining about having to take an early flight, early morning flight to Seattle for a media session and join his teammates out the gate, you know, making a lasting impression. Um, you know, it, it, it's just a... The guy's already showing what, what a pain in the you-know-what he can be. So in the end, I think, you know, based on what I saw in New York and forcing his way away from the Jets, yes, the Jets are a dumpster fire, but the Jets were willing to accommodate him. It's probably going to end up biting Seattle in the behind. Now, Seattle wins the ring, and he's sort of the person that gets the defense back up to Legion of Boom status. I'll eat my words and say... Hey, good move for you guys. But that remains to be seen, so I'm free to say right now, I don't think he's going to be worth the trouble in the end because he's going to be a malcontent here in Seattle once things don't go his way. We'll see. Uh, Along those lines, and this is hot off the presses, not necessarily having all the details yet, but I saw last night that Joey Bosa of the San Diego Chargers signed a five-year extension with $135 million, $102 million guaranteed up front. Yes, the NFL stimulus package doing dividends for somebody else. This makes Joey the highest-paid defensive player. Sorry, Miles Garrett, you didn't get to hold the crown for long, but this is the flux situation. Amazing, you know, we're in a pandemic and fighting over the extra $600 a week that people were getting in uh, enhanced unemployment benefits, and these guys are getting hooked up with some fat paychecks. All righty then, let's get to our weekly look at the COVID Chronicles. All righty, so let's see here. Should we go to the NBA first? Sure, why not? As I was just talking a little bit, preseason wrapped up yesterday in the bubble. We can say that we don't really have any positive cases to report on. Uh, we did see the triumphant return of Mr. Hennessy himself, J.R. Smith, as I also brought up in the question about the Lakers. What we also saw was Sweet Lou Williams, Southern style of the L.A. Clippers, get into the league's doghouse for leaving the bubble. It was an excused reason, I might say, only to get spotted at a Atlanta Gentleman's Club. Let me tell you about the Dirty South, as the rap goes. 
Well, with Lou, and he's going to have to sit out for 10 days in a, in a quarantine protocol. He's got some of the bros and sisters out there coming to his defense because he says it was there for the wings. And I guess, I, from what I understand, they do have the best wings in Atlanta. But I'm like, dude, you can get wings anywhere. Pretty good wings. And I'm sure you get, they have curbside pickup. You know, what are you doing? You know, as Max Brodo says, everyone has to be accountable. This is the reason why European football leagues were so successful because they got commitment from anyone and people that violated the right being under lockdown were shamed, rightfully so. And I guess you could say that's what's happening with Lou. But, you know, it's going to take an effort from everyone in order for this, this for the, for the, to avoid outbreaks. And we're seeing what's going on with the Marlins. We don't want to see that. And yeah, David Griffin has brought up brought this up. David Griffin of New Orleans Pelicans fame. And that, that's his major concern is that as this wears on and the and these highly played players, you know, get bored and you know from you know the rigors of being in the bubble and competition. And how are we going to contain them from doing things like this? Well, you know what, everybody's got a cell phone out there, and you know that if you get caught someplace you're not supposed to be. It'll be up on Twitter, Reddit, or Facebook within minutes. So all we can hope for is that that continues. I can also say, and you know, a, a positive news for the NBA is that uh, Zion Williamson, returned from his excused absence, has completed his quarantine protocol and is uh, joining his teams. Should be back uh, for for the opener this weekend. That's going to be fantastic. I also know that. The Pelicans and the Jazz are planning a massive display in support of Black Lives Matter, probably kneeling before the anthem. So we know that that'll get plenty of coverage on ESPN and FS1. Hopefully it's in good taste and we don't you don't do what the WNBA players did, but we'll definitely we'll be reporting on that. So all right, let's see what else is happening as far as the COVID chronicles are concerned. The NHL reports no positive tests this week as they prepare to start their season in two bubble cities within the coming week. I mentioned to you about Juan Soto. I also I didn't mention that prior to the start of the season that COVID-19 sidelined members of Atlanta and Houston baseball clubs based broadcast teams. When we move to the NFL, we see that Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman uh, Laurent how is that? Duvernay Tardif was the first player to opt out. And now, since he has, we have five Patriots um, with uh, Dante Hightower and Patrick Chung being chief among those who have, who have decided to opt out of the season, which is going to cause the hoodie some uh, problems. But then again, the hoodie who has perfected the next man up, he'll figure out a way. On the flip side of it, Money Mahomes, who every time we turn around is getting some positive inks for what he does on and off the field. You know, gotta love that guy. He's such a bright star. But he said his concerns were put to rest upon arriving at Chiefs camp and seeing the setup and the protocols in place. So it's gonna be a, a touchy situation with the NFL because they're not in the bubble. You have more pieces to get your arms around. But, you know, I, I'm cautiously optimistic that we're going to be able to move forward. In fact, the NFL did announce that players attending high-risk high events, i.e. parties, going to the club, you know what I'm talking about, will be fined and face other possible sanctions. We'll be paying close attention to how this plays out and how well it's enforced. You can guarantee that. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what's going on with the pros, you know, for the most part, we've seen, you know, baseball has really got a on fire situation with the Marlins, but hopefully by the weeks end that's under control. Everywhere else, things are looking well, um, as well as they can be. I mean, it's definitely touch and go. And I, and I think the big concern now here, especially in the NFL, the players are opting out. If this becomes widespread, it could be a problem. Can't blame players, especially in a high-context sport as the NFL is, for having second thoughts. And, you know, 
two teams in Florida, two teams in Texas, you know, places where COVID is still spreading, you know, out of control. You know, you play and you may have to visit or you play in in, in those states. It, there's definitely some things to really contemplate moving forward. Uh, it's a very fluid situation. We'll definitely be updating you next week. All right, let's move to the, what's going on in campus, as we like to call the 43,000-foot view above campus, right? Cruising, flying, flying high in our, um, you know, nice Learjet. Well, Michigan State reported 16 athletes and four staff members tested positive for COVID last night. I mean, last week, excuse me. That announcement came on the hills of the entire football program being placed in quarantine protocol last Friday. Yeah, you know, I, that we've seen some other programs as well in, in the Big Ten. I know that Rutgers is having some situations as far as quarantining its whole program. Notre Dame Athletic Director Jack Swarbrick announced on Tuesday he would like to see the college football season delayed to evaluate the circumstances on campuses as students return from areas you know that are that are spreading like wildfires we just um, mentioned. He remains confident that you know the Irish can still come you know comprise a schedule comparable to other big Power Five conferences in spite of losing three major comp- major opponents. Uh, speaking of the Big Ten, last week, Wisconsin Athletic Department is projecting, or they announced, I should say, that they're projecting revenue losses between $60 million and $70 million if the Badgers play a conference-only 10-game season, and losses of more than $100 million if the upcoming football season is canceled because of the COVID-19 pandemic. In a letter that's on their fan website, or athletic department website, I should say, um, Alvarez was saying that regardless of what our fall season looks like, we are facing great financial challenges. He doesn't think it's an embellishment to say that the experience we love and know as the Badgers, and the legacy of extraordinary athletic you know, department, is truly at risk. I think he's not alone in that regard. And I think as we've brought up on our weekly, you know, view on what's happening on campus, that, yeah, so many things are tied to the revenue that football brings in and basketball to a lesser degree. That not being able to have, you know, these seasons or, you know, it's going to trickle down. A lot of people, even outside of the athletic departments, will be greatly affected if these seasons are not able to commence. I also see that the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference became the latest conference to cancel fall sports competition. There is also the New Mexico governor that is asking the two major universities there, University of New Mexico and New Mexico State, to postpone all fall sports because of the coronavirus. Um, Celebrity governor Mr. Cuomo in New York is saying that he wants no fans at college sports in New York. He's okay with football and other sports commencing in the fall, but they'll have to do so without fans in the stands. Now let's go as, as far as the other side of this, beyond COVID, but you know what we have in light of what happened to George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, the other high-profile cases that have caused you know this movement that's Black Lives and even beyond, just the social justice movements, We've talked about it on previous episodes, what effect that's happening on the campuses, and last week was no different. West Virginia announced they have parted ways with defensive coordinator Vic Coning after he made a, a series of insensitive remarks, I guess mostly you know, directed, directed towards Hispanics and some other, other folks as well, that uh, the Mountaineers have decided to part ways with him series of other folks that have run afoul. Um, this isn't council culture. This is, a, hey, you've got to know better, especially if you're going to have a large contingent of people of color on your team. You know, get with the program. It's not about sensitivity training. It's like using common sense. Like I was talking about last week when I brought up Iowa. 
In fact, there was a great article about uh, ESPN.com about the increased scrutiny that Iowa's program is facing you know, in regard to how African-Americans have been treated. It was a very insightful piece by Adam, Adam Rittenberg and Michelle Still. I think that listeners should check out on ESPN uh, the things that are discussed in terms of the culture that these athletes have, have faced. You know, there's all sorts of instances of African-American players being punished much harsher than their white counterparts, uh, right? Just a lot of a very eye-opening piece. And I know that Iowa needs to clean up its act and uh, yeah, I think we're in a climate now where you you can see the power that these athletes have. They may not be getting paid, but definitely the threat of them walking away from campus or refusing to participate in workouts can definitely impact these programs. And it's you know high time that you need to be listening to their demands. I mean, not saying caving in to every one of them, but you better have an open ear. Anyhow, we will continue to report you know the temperature on campus. We're getting really close now that we're in August. You know, normally what would be the third week where we'd have this week zero that they've instituted in uh, recent years to sort of like give the season off to an early start. Not sure what that's looking like. We do know that institutions are scrambling, that we may see games at the end of this month. I don't know yet. You know, it's such a fluid situation. But yeah, we'll definitely be back here next week to tell you what's going on. All righty then. We are at our point in the show where we hand out the Turd McCory Award. And, you know, the Turd McCory Award goes out to what I think is the Turd of the Week. You can always put your suggestions in at ftinfx at gmail.com. But for me, even if you had suggestions in, in, in the mailbox, it wouldn't have mattered. As I talked about in the uh, football proper segment, this one goes out to St. Etienne. Their performance last week was just despicable. Going out after PSG, you know, with such thuggerish tactics, just being butchers. Had they not um, done that, they may have they may have upset PSG. And you know that you're out there trying to injure these high price assets for what? It, it just was garbage. All were a bunch of turds. And then you know for their coach to come out. And just be so blasé with his explanation as far as the way that how they behaved and went about the game, you know it's just yeah you get that goal that you know they talked about in that show um some you know show me a hero right where you get the the silver bowl full of turds yes saying to you that's that's you you are the turd McCory you know holder for this week um let's see here instead of going with the lighter side of the, uh, of sport. Maybe we'll just give a shout-out this week. And our shout-out goes to Drew Brees and his wife, Brittany. Uh, the reports came out that they donated $5 million to build multiple health care centers throughout Louisiana in a partnership with Oshner Health. P- props to him. You know, he got a lot of grief from Mr. Malcontent himself, you know, Malcolm Jenkins and other, and other woke players, you know, for having a patriotic stand. I just say, Drew, keep doing what you're doing. Don't worry about these folks. It's okay for you to love your country. And the actions that you and your wife are doing off the field speak volumes of what you bring to the game and to these communities. Don't let anybody intimidate you, Drew. You get, you know, major shout out and, you know, all sorts of applause from our, from our folks. Heck yeah. Props to you. Well, folks, I think that does it for episode seven. You know, I think uh, we had a little rough time getting through this. And obviously, this is our second take of it. And I think this went a little bit better than yesterday's. I can tell you that uh, we are really making some progress with um, rolling out the companion podcast to this, you know, where we look at the culture side of, you know, Eugene, more of a locally focused uh, podcast. But I think. For people outside of the world, since we've got interesting folks here, we'll be interested in tuning in. We're lining up some very good guests. I've spoken to some people that I know in, in the Eugene community who have not only expressed interest, but have actually committed to being on that. I hope to have this rolled out here soon. We'll definitely have some more details about 
guest and sort of the format and you know probably the next episode or the one following that. All I can tell you is it's coming soon, you know, where we truly fulfill what we set out to do with this concept as far as having dual podcasts. You know, stay tuned with that. Um, we're going to definitely work on getting this better. We're going to have more guests for this show. As I told you, I'm going to have my, my man Cooley Dubs come on and talk about uh, some UFC. Got some folks talk, uh, you know, coming up to talk about football in Vegas. The NFL is going to be really cool. A lot, a lot of interesting content to, to come here in the coming weeks. You know, stay with us. Tell your friends about it. We definitely want to see our viewership grow. Definitely feel free to offer your suggestions and you know feedback. That's ftinfx at gmail.com. We appreciate it. And yeah, we will see you all in you know five or six days or so. Be safe out there. Wear your mask. Practice your hygiene. Social distance. And definitely be safe. All right.